0: Hey there, video insiders, welcome to your podcast.
1: He's Carlos Pacheco. And he's Tom Martin. And we're two grizzled YouTube industry veterans with billions of views between us. And we're here to give you our two cents on the business of YouTube so you can make more dollars.
0: News, strategy and insight, and just a sprinkle of snark. What's the word on the street, Tom? Brought to you by the letter U.
1: (laughs) Brought to you by the letter U and the number 28. Uh, I'm very well, thank you, this week, Carlos. I have had a crazy, crazy, crazy busy week. Um, Actually, I finished um, work for a very, very dear client. They were my last retainer client, um, a lovely animation company here in London. Um, But I've left them in a very, very good position Some ridiculously good statistics um, of growth that I've worked with them in the last four months. But focusing now on some bigger projects, trying to do less consulting in the future. Uh, and, you know, I'll be able to talk a lot more about some of those projects in, in future episodes. But um, a big chunk of my week this week was actually spent doing um, keyword research. One thing that I'm known for being a super nerd about. Not only am I launching some YouTube channels, but I'm also um, I'm making a course about YouTube keyword research. And so I'm doing a big case study on how to do youtube keyword research been recording it was recording for about seven hours straight crazy busy
0: wow i'm looking forward to it
1: oh yeah and if you want to out there uh, sign up um to get on the wait list of when that's going to be released sometime around march uh, you can do so at channelfuel.co forward slash course awesome shameless plug yeah shameless plug
0: (laughs) for me actually toronto is as much of north america right now in a deep freeze and i feel like it's every episode so far i've mentioned that or we're buried in snow or we're in deep freeze but this is canada so
1: yeah we've actually got a we've got a snowstorm that's due any minute now actually wow
0: so yeah on a work level things are chugging along we have some big projects coming along and uh, you know, clients that are telling us, you know, that they're super happy and that the problem is, is, you know, because clients and the way you work, you can't really talk too much about the details, but when a client tells you that your, our work is shaming all the other agencies that they're working with really is really sort of something to, you know, feel proud of. And it's just, uh, you know, I always give credit to my wife, who's the founder of the company and our fearless leader, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, yeah. And at the same time, uh,
1: the, the brains behind it for Yeah, issues.
0: exactly. I'm just, I'm just the guy uh, in the background. I, I'm just the guy doing a podcast in the office. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, other than that, just work, work, work. Um, the entrepreneurial life uh, situation at this point.
1: Okay, and well, you know, it's not fair that I got in a shameless plug and you didn't. So please tell us if you if if someone out there wants some some agency work done for them that will shame the other agencies that they're working for how can they find out more
0: so go to trulyinc.com we are a research and insights driven uh digital agency we help
1: brands become their own influencers yes that's a pretty cool statement um and Speaking of shameless plugs, we cannot get started with the meat and potatoes of today's episode until we thank our amazing sponsor, which is who, Carlos?
0: Our sponsor this week, like every week, is TubeBuddy. Take your channel to the next level. TubeBuddy gives you the tools to boost your subscribers, views, and engagement. One of my favorite tools on TubeBuddy is the copy processing feature. That's the one that really sold me to it, the ability to copy tags At the time, you could copy annotations. Now you can copy cards, descriptions, end screens, even thumbnails. That's to me. That's one of the most amazing things about TubeBuddy. It's my favorite tool.
1: Yeah, and you know, not only is it like super useful, but it really makes your workflow super efficient. It's going to save you loads of time, loads of resource, and it's really good if you're kind of running YouTube at scale. If you've got like a small network. More than one channel, TubeBuddy is going to really save you so much time and money. And if you would like to look into TubeBuddy, especially if you're looking to get a license for multiple channels, you can visit our link and you'll get a unique discount, which is exclusive to the Video Insiders podcast. And you can get that only at www.videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy.
0: Awesome. Tom. What are we talking about this week?
1: Well, you know, we've we've both had a quick chat off air today and we we're both, you know, getting to a point where we've made a lot of people, a lot of money on YouTube and we've seen a lot of changes, we've seen a lot of opportunities and I'd say that one thing that's often crossed my mind is you know, finding a channel that's got good potential and maybe knocking on their door and saying, "Look, You give it a good go. You had a good start, but why don't you let me take this channel off your hands and kind of give it the life that it deserves? Let me, you know, optimize it a bit and um, let's see where we can take this bad boy. You know, so this really made me think, you know, there's been a a bit in the news over recent months about buying or acquiring or even selling YouTube channels. So we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the big Channel sales that have happened earlier this year. But, you know, what's your experience of, of this kind of stuff? Have you ever bought a YouTube channel? Have you ever sold a YouTube channel? Have you ever been offered a YouTube channel in a, in a dark alleyway by a strange man?
0: Um, not yet, but um, <laughs> I have come across individuals who dabble in this scene where they buy uh, dead YouTube channels and try to revive them. With content, or even uh, you know, uh, channels that are already chugging along, but yeah, I've come across individuals doing that. I've yet to sort of really consider doing it for myself, just because it's not just about the channel; it's about the content. But you know, we can get into that. But at this point, yeah, it's it's not something I've dwelled too much into. But I know there's a market, uh, an underground market for that.
1: And uh, how common do you think this kind of practice is? Like I've mentioned some kind of high profile cases, but how often do you think, you know, this is going on at the level of like, 1,000 subscribers or 10,000 subscribers and, and no one's paying any attention to those, those kind of sales that are happening?
0: You know what? I have absolutely no clue how often, but I mean, it, it happens on every, you know, social platform, right? There is a black market yeah, of selling Twitter handles, of selling Instagram handles, of selling Facebook pages. And, you know, when it comes to the value of it everything's sort of like up in the air but yeah like i think in terms of like how popular it is it's really tough to tell i mean there's at the end of the day there's not a lot of people doing what we do because you kind of need to have people that understand you know channels how they work and how how to really use them because you can buy a channel with a hundred thousand subscribers. That doesn't mean you're going to get a hundred thousand views day one. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, yeah, it, it's a really tough market. When it, a tough, tough market to gauge, I guess.
1: Well, I, I knew we were going to be talking about this, so I did a little bit of, of, of research into the kind of legality and technicality of, of buying a YouTube. And you know, to actually change ownership of a YouTube channel is. A clicks of a couple of buttons and a change of email address and it's done mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, obviously you then need to change the AdSense account, but actually trying to find anywhere written in stone that YouTube disapprove of it. It's not that easy. Like, you know, obviously they, they make it, you know, it's quite simple to change the ownership from a technical perspective, but from an ownership perspective, mm-hmm. what's your experience or your knowledge, if any, I'd I'd love to get your take on it of, is this frowned upon by youtube is it do they know that it's happening is it even against is it against the rules
0: um, here's the thing they obviously know it's happening because there's high profile cases of it happening but the thing is i think they'd rather not deal with it and as i mentioned in a previous Episode YouTube does not like to get in the middle of things, and if you make things simple, they will not bother you, bother you, and they won't get in your face. So for me, one of the things that I, I hate I hate the fact of this 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 idea of ownership. You do not own a YouTube channel; you're borrowing a channel. Like no matter what, YouTube can close that up on you, and you're going to be left with nothing if you. You know, annoy them. So fundamentally, you're buying air. You're buying, you know, like you're you're renting something. It's not buying anything. So, to me, when it comes to that, it's it's again, YouTube just does not want to be in any negative press. So if you avoid that, they're not going to bug you about it. That's the way I feel.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you know you make a great point about not actually owning anything when you have a YouTube channel, and you know that is one of the most important pieces of advice I can give to anyone, whether they're, you know, in a part of a big media company or not, you're, you know, you're definitely building on somebody else's land, but that's probably a, a big enough topic for a separate episode. But, um, being the absolute nerd, uh, that I am, um, despite how busy I've been this week, I decided to sit down today and try and actually read through YouTube's Fire. terms of service, um, <laughs> to see if, um, this was actually, Called out specifically or not. Um, It's a very interesting document, (laughs) kind of. One thing that I would say is that almost every single common practice on YouTube, especially from a commercial point of view, breaks terms of service. You can't do anything. It says basically you can't promote a business. You can't start a channel to sell a service or a product without written consent from YouTube. So um, pretty much 90% of all channels are breaking terms of service. It doesn't mean that you're going to get away with it. It doesn't mean it's right. But just to let you know that um, the terms in the terms of service are pretty broad. But the one clause in the terms of service that kind of pointed or at least everyone in the various forums and help pages you know nowhere has YouTube actually come out and said this is that there's a small clause that says you shall not make money and in quotes from the sale of access to the service so to me that doesn't mean it's illegal to sell a channel or sell a video it means it is illegal to try and charge people to use YouTube so I'm not sure that that Line in the terms of service actually means that you shouldn't be able to sell the ownership of your channel, but I think they're pretty much covered by saying that you're not allowed to do anything commercial on YouTube. But just to have this cleared up, I actually emailed YouTube today to find out if they could clear this up for me. So they haven't got back to me yet, but that's no, that's not their fault. It's uh, I only emailed them today, so maybe in a future episode I can give you an update as to where this rabbit hole leads or if there's any lawyers out there or anyone who's really dug into these terms of service please uh, do get in touch you can tweet at us at video insiders and i believe we've got an email address that almost works Carlos, is that right
0: yes it's a hello at video and hopefully by the time this podcast is live it, it'll
1: be live <laughs> Yeah, so if you do not have kind of any insider information as to the legalities of um, buying a channel or some such thing, then please do let us know because we're not lawyers and so we don't give legal advice. So please don't hold us accountable for anything like that. Let us know. But you said something interesting earlier, Carlos. You said that YouTube must know that it's taking place because there have been a couple of higher-profile sales namely um little baby bum being sold to a new company called Moonbug and Enchufe mm-hmm. and TV, which is a channel that I'd never heard of uh until very recently, and they sold to Tubi T is it <laughs> Tube? Tubi tube? Tubi tube, which is like a Spanish language uh MCN. But what I would say before we go into any more detail on those deals is that I believe that they didn't buy the channels, they bought the companies that own the channels. And I think there's quite a big distinction there from what I can tell. So the YouTube channel being an asset of the company, which was taken over rather than them buying an asset from a separate company.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's the part that I feel like... Media and I hate I hate to the, the jump into this thing where like the media is just reporting things in a weird way, but I feel like the media sort of likes to skew these these things so that you know it's YouTube channels that are selling for millions of dollars, right? When it's fundamentally, it's the production company, it's the um, it's the content that's yeah. on the channel. On top of these two channels being sold and something we've mentioned before, like the, the Machinima deal from uh, a few weeks back and the channel's going down, it's like that just shows you that they don't care about the channel. The channel doesn't matter, right? So it's the content that matters.
1: Yeah, and I'd go a level above that. And, you know, we've both worked for big TV companies and it's it's the IP that is really valuable. Yeah. You know, If yeah. you get a set of characters that are popular... Then you can go beyond a TV show or a web series. You're talking about licensed products, license, you know, live events, yeah, um, all sorts of merchandise sales and stuff like that. So why don't we why don't we dig into these these two sales a bit more? Yeah, because you know they've been hot off hot on the press um, back in January. So can you bring us up to date with? A couple of big articles that came out around these 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 two big sales
0: yeah i mean um the one that i know more about or have done more research about to be honest um is the the little baby bum one that was sold to a company called moonbug that oh by coincidence was founded by x maker studios disney uh, employees and dhx which is sort of canada's Disney, in a way, less sexy, obviously. You know, these are people that obviously worked in the companies and know how the YouTube channels work. You know, often what happens, and the way I see this specific deal is the creators of the company, you know, they made this channel like seven years ago, right? Seven years ago of making 45 minute nursery rhyme videos. I'm sorry, but after two years, I'd want to, you know, literally shoot myself, (laughs) you know, you know, of of doing those stuff. So they did it for seven years. So obviously they're burnt out. They're done. Like we've done this for seven years and it's making its money. And, you know, it makes sense for them to sort of like, thank you very much. The channel itself is not personality driven. So it's, that's what makes it even sort of like, when I say the channel, I always sort of mean the content itself is, is not personality driven. And that's something that we can sort of like see in terms of all these channels, right? It's not like somebody's going to buy Lili Singh's channel or uh, PewDiePie's channel because PewDiePie is going to say like, thank you very much. I'm off and do something else, right? So these channels that are being sold are much more IP-driven than anything else. Another reason that they get sold is these, you know, a creator knows how to create. Many of them just don't know where to go with, uh, once they've created this stuff, they get tons of people approaching them and trying to pitch them, you know, to license their content or license their IP. And they don't know how to handle this stuff. And they need to hire people to sort of manage this stuff. And sometimes they're like, you know what, I'm just going to sell this and move on and let somebody else figure this out. And that's, that's what it sounds like for a little baby bum where the investors or the buyers saw this as an IP that they could Create beyond YouTube, be it merchandising for kids, even like for OTT services, right? OTT meaning over the top, which is a term in the television industry. In case some of you don't know, is streaming platforms. Netflix is an over the top platform.
1: And Little Baby Bomb is available on Netflix in the UK. Exactly. Least. I'm not sure if it's available over there.
0: Channels need to up their game, right? And channels that have you know built. Even 20, you know, 10, 20 million views, they're still running at a very sort of lean and mean uh, machine in terms of their production. And the only way you can up it is with money coming in and, you know, higher talent. Often they can't really do that at scale. And when you have YouTube asking, or I wouldn't say asking, but luring, you know, the Will Smith, The Rock, Jack Blacks of this world to become YouTubers... And also, MCNs, old MCNs, doing the same thing with their talent, where they're bringing, they're sort of becoming the intermediate and turning t- TV talent into YouTube talent. Like that, that's higher production levels and uh, you know bigger star power. So channels like uh, Enchufe, you know, they feel like they need to sort of like, okay, well, we're making a lot of content, but we need to make even bigger, more TV-like content that'll sort of bring that to that level and they can't do it on their own budget. So they'll, you know, get investment and all that sort of stuff. It's not the only reasons, but those are sort of the reasons that I can see right after that.
1: Yeah. So we were, there were a couple of big articles that were written around, um, the sales of both, um, little baby bum and, and 2 Fa and they, they, you know, they, they, they mentioned a few of the reasons that you spoke about, like burnout and wanting to be able to you know, create productions that were on on par with the the Will Smiths and the Jack Blacks and the whoever it is tomorrow that, that launches a YouTube channel. But for me, it comes down to a much more basic concept in business that a lot of people build stuff to have a you know a big profitable exit. True. If you've been making YouTube videos for seven years, and someone comes along and says, "You know what, guys?" A you know, couple from London, from from what I hear, and this is it's reported in the the article, um, Bloomberg. Uh, yeah, and all these these articles that we're speaking about today, we'll, we'll link to in the show notes, which you can find at VideoInsiders.fm forward slash episode four. And you know, it was reported that they were paid somewhere between uh i think it was eight and eleven million mm-hmm. dollars and, and i don't i don't know if that is a correct number or yep. not but you know i would say if someone offered me that amount of money for a youtube channel i would happy, <laughs> i'd happily sell it knowing that it could all just crumble away tomorrow and i could go and retire or do whatever i wanted to start a new channel you know go fishing you know go traveling around the world because you know youtube there are some people that do it because they want to be famous or they want to have fun or they whatever it is the lure of having an audience but a lot of people are doing it purely to make money and in business you grow a business and you hope to either set it so it runs itself which a youtube channel is probably rarely ever going to do or you play to grow it to a size where someone's going to come and buy it and you can go and live off the the interest for the rest of your life so i think that's I think that's um yeah a big factor that these uh these two articles kind of glossed over that is, you know, potentially life, life-changing life sums of money that we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, and I think with with YouTube maturing, and you're seeing how, you know, YouTubers grow, peak, and then slowly sometimes die and then sometimes come back, but, like, most of them die, right? And at the end of the day, like, sometimes the, the channel dies because the, the creator didn't realize that, you know, they could have exited a certain level and gotten the maximum mm-hmm. amount of money. You know, they were stubborn or just didn't understand that, you know, everything has its moment, you know. So, again, it, it, I think they were very savvy to sort of sell at the, at the size they were. And just to give you sort of a little bit of an anecdote, which I found really funny, is that uh, specifically Little Baby Bum, when it was sold, was generating 500 million views a month. That is like an insane amount of money. An insane amount of views, but also they're making an insane amount of money. And since it's been sold, the channel has literally lost 60% of its traffic. It's doing, uh, or uh, even higher, it's doing about 100 and 150 to maybe 200 million views a month. To me, that also shows that like the perils of buying a YouTube channel, right? The creator is the heart and soul of that channel, right? They're the ones that are going to do... Above and beyond to create that content, that awesome content, that their vision. So there's something that's lost when a, when a channel is sold. And I'm not so sure that it's it's a good thing to buy a YouTube channel, right? When it's doing so well like that. And then the creators are like, thank you very much. We're out. To me, I always use the, the case study, uh, Grace Helbig. When she was doing, I think it was called Daily Grace, or, or yeah, it was Daily Grace, and mm. she was doing it for a company. And then the company, for some reason, just you know, whatever, didn't rehire, didn't give her the deal that she wanted the deal. So she's like, okay, I'm leaving. And they're like, okay, the channel's mine. Uh, no, they had a little bit of fight of a channel, and then the company's don't no, the channel's ours. She left, created its Grace, and then within months, you know, her new channel mm. was back, if not. You know, higher than her original channel, and then her original channel just basically died on a vine. And you know, I don't even know. They must have renamed it to something else. I don't even. I'd have to sort of do some digging on that side of things, but.
1: Yeah, I think the more kind of um, creator or personality driven it is, that's always yeah. going to be the case. Like when when Ray William Johnson yeah. gave up hosting Equals Free and tried to hand that off to to somebody else, that was kind of the, the beginning of the end. I'd be interested to know, because I wasn't aware of that drop in views from from Little Baby Bum, I'd be interested to know whether that was, was that seasonal, you know, because if it's, if you're talking about from December nope. to January. You no, make, no, no, you no,
0: know, no, no. This is know? funny. If you go into Social Blade and you check it, it's literally July. <laughs> it just starts going down and it's been da- going down ever since. This is six months. It's not, that's not seasonal. And, you know, they're making nursery rhyme videos for kids, right? There's no such thing as a season for that, <laughs> you know? So uh, there's obviously something that's been lost in in this transition in the type of content that they're uploading right now uh, if they are
1: i was just gonna say it's a super super saturated market now yes everyone is trying to jump onto that national ryan bandwagon um, so they're operating in a, in a lot tougher space True. than they would have been uh, even 12 uh 24 months ago yeah. so um it sounds like a challenge <laughs> yeah. to me the worst part the worst
0: thing about that type of channel is like if a channel has content that's like, I'm not going to say it's easy to make, but it's like really easy to replicate, then it mm, might not be the best channel to, to buy and invest on, in, right, for the long term. Because somebody's going to you know, create the same thing and maybe do it better or, or tweak it. And then probably what happened is that little baby bum got all that attention because of the purchase. And then everybody's like, you can make videos with nursery rhymes and make money? Great. All of a sudden, you know, you got hundreds of people doing the same thing. You just lost all that momentum.
1: I think um, this is probably to to a slightly bigger point. But what I would say is that, yes, it can be replicated. But also there's a huge, huge, huge advantage to being first. And Little Baby Bum were a real pioneer in this space. You know, all of those channels that are doing 15-minute compilations and highlighting it on the thumbnail they've all got a debt of gratitude to little baby bum. That's where I learned a lot of stuff was from copying what they were, uh, sorry, being inspired (laughs) (laughs) by what little baby bum were doing. So I think there's a whole industry out there that has a big kind of uh, debt of gratitude to um, kind of some of the audience development techniques that came from little baby bum. Yes. So, you know, that's, that's, there are a couple of big, big channels that get sold, but I'm, I'm really interested in this, this smaller level of channels that are getting sold. Cause I know there are a couple of websites that openly you can go and buy YouTube channels. You can buy Instagram accounts, Facebook pages. We, we deal with a lot of UGC and a lot of CMSs and we, you know, often I get asked why are these people uploading all of this content that's getting claimed by us and we're making the money off of it and they're getting lots of views, but they're not doing anything with it. And One of the answers that I always give is, well, they'll either do it, A, because they grow the audience and then they add stuff that they can monetize directly once they've got, say, 100,000 subscribers, or they grow it to 100,000 subscribers and they sell it, and they go and start another one and they sell it. And I know this Mm -hmm. is an active practice. Uh, I've visited these websites out of pure curiosity, and there are tons in all sorts of spaces, all sorts of sizes, and it's crazy. Uh, as I say, it's really, really easy to change ownership of a channel. It's just the, the change of an email address, essentially. So I'd really like to dig a bit deeper into to that one day, maybe do mm-hmm. a bit of an expose, a bit of an undercover operation to see what happens. But I think it has got its place to a certain extent. But then I think there's probably a lot of people that are losing money um, buying these channels that are just either get closed down uh, pretty quickly or... Like you say, they just die on the vine because they bought a channel with a hundred thousand subscribers that was built on other people's cartoons, and they're trying to, you know, sell Bitcoin on it or something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, the channel is is just an empty shell, you know, especially if you don't buy the content. And that's why, you know, I always, I'm a digital person, right? So when I came into when I went into the, the world of TV and underst- and learned a little bit about like how. Rights work and how people buy content and all distribute content and all that sort of stuff. sort of understood the value of of a content library and at the end of the day like the audience that you've built online using that content is valuable and if you buy a channel and all you're buying is subscribers uh, no matter what you put on it you know maybe you'll get a little bit more traction than you know uh, if you put it on you know a channel with like you know your personal channel that has a hundred subscribers. You know the people who subscribed to it didn't subscribe to you they subscribed to uh you know x service or or whatever that was doing it before and they're like well this is r- so random not not what i want so a- anyways that that world of black market social accounts to me is is really you know like it's 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 sort of confusing and you know the the reasoning behind it is not it's not a big thing. It's not what big companies really care about. They want, you know, they're not going to buy, again, like uh, Ray William Johnson's 10 million subscriber channel that Ray William Johnson is not on, right? And the content that is gone. Again, the the great example, again, it's at the end of the day, it's Machinima. The channel had like a huge amount of subscribers. No, they just turn it off. That's literally it. They don't care. They need to fix the rights around the, the ownership of the, of the content. The content is what matters, that's what's going to get you in trouble at the end of the day if you don't have the right, you know, uh, paperwork behind it.
1: And I just wonder if it, I, obviously I don't have access to any sort of data on this, but I'd be interested to to know whether this kind of practice has increased since YouTube made it harder to be part of the partner program. So now that you have to have, you know, a 1,000 subscribers, 4,000 watch hours in the previous 12 months, <laughs> of people thinking, you know what, I can't wait that long. Um, You know, it might take me a year to get to that level to even start earning a penny back. Whereas if I could go and buy one from one of these websites for $500 and save myself a year's time, maybe not that it's YouTube's fault because they they put those Mm -hmm. things in in place quite rightly, in in my opinion. But maybe it's just an an inadvertent side effect has been this black market has grown because people just don't want to wait. Across those uh, thresholds for the partner program,
0: I agree. And and one of the th- one of the issues with that, and again, I don't have the, the case study to sort of try this, but YouTube also measures how many views you've had in the last 365 days, right? They need you know you need to have 4,000 hours of watch time. So if you buy a channel with that has that thousand subscriber threshold. And you don't own the content and sort of all that content gets removed. All the views get removed. So you're still stuck at building those views. Yes, you're going to get a little bit more momentum and you know the momentum might be marginal yeah maybe it is still an incentive for people to buy buy channels on that side of things
1: yeah so this i think this probably brings us you know as we start to wrap up this conversation is where is this going where does this lead to i I certainly don't ever see a point where youtube you know as i said in our one of our previous uh, episodes. I think that YouTube wants to have a hand in any way that money can be made on a platform, but mm-hmm. I think they'll probably draw the line at opening a marketplace for... <laughs> For dying channels, but I think they'll you know probably start to pay attention to these marketplaces that are opening up um looking at some of the practices and probably putting more and more stuff in place to stop that from happening. I know they're doing more kind of random channel reviews to make sure that there aren't kind of big switches in content, so you know. You're not, you're not going from like a, a Peppa Pig mm-hmm. channel to a Bitcoin channel overnight, that kind of stuff. But, I, you know, in terms of the wider industry, I can see more and more acquisitions are happening because, you know, these bedroom creators are coming up with some great sets of characters and IP and wh- whatever it may be. It's cheaper to acquire one than it is to to take a risk and try to, to you know, make a hit, as it were. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it's a confusing it's confusing. Again, you know, predictions aren't my strong suit, but one of the things that I do feel that YouTube is doing is continuing to deprecate the value of a subscriber. And let's just say tomorrow, you know, this is where YouTube TV comes in, right? YouTube TV doesn't care about the subscribers. They don't care. Like they just want the content. They want friends to be on there. They want you know, sports to be on there. They want any sort of like sitcom, drama, popular shows that we we all want to watch. Right. And yes, there is a channel uh, involved and there's usually a company that owns that content, but all YouTube cares about is the content on the platform. Right. Like, you know, and again, the the perfect example is like tomorrow NBC decides to, and NBC is probably already on YouTube TV. We don't have YouTube TV, so I have no idea what out uh, what the product looks like, but NBC decides to, you know, create a YouTube channel tomorrow. They have maybe a hundred, let's just say, you know, you know, they have a no subscribers. It's not like YouTube's not going to stop them from going on a platform and monetizing their content and being featured on, on YouTube TV. They're going to sign that deal and they're going to make that happen. So I think it's, it's, it's a thing where YouTube cares about the content more than, and the, than the, the way the platform is seen from a surface level. Uh, When I say surface, I mean, you know, like the subscribers and the likes and the comments and all that sort of stuff. They're turning more and more into Netflix at this point. They have to. It's the only way to sort of grow online or else you're going to be stuck with UGC type content that brands don't want to pay premium CPMs to be around. Brands always want to be around quality content. So
1: yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think you've, you've hit them now on the head there and probably a good way to wrap up the conversation. But it's not the end of the conversation. We want to hear from you. What do you think about it? You can tweet us at video insiders or email us at hello at video insiders. FM, And also we'd love to know what other topics would you like us to cover in future episodes?
0: Yes. And obviously this has been me and Tom. And as this podcast evolves, we want to bring more and more pros to start talking with us. So if there's anybody out there that you think we should be having a conversation with,
1: please let us know. Before we go, we'd love to hear your feedback um, on what we could be doing better, what we could. you want more of, what you want less of. If the answer is less of me, then please keep <laughs> that opinion to yourself. Uh, but please do share this with a friend. Leave a review on the podcast app you are using and make sure you are subscribed.
0: Thanks for listening to Video Insiders. Once again, thank you very much to TubeBuddy who supports this podcast. TubeBuddy is the ultimate YouTube channel management tool that helps you grow your YouTube channel like the pros.
1: And you can get a unique discount on multiple channel licenses by visiting www.videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy.
0: Have a good one.